in a world where liberal thinkers consider political violence to be an external ideological intrusion into an essentially benign Western cultural space. One bear and one lady are violently intruding on their collective delusion and your heart. It's knackers and the vag. Comrade, I have lost a good part of my mind. No, I'm not going to ask you to join a search party to search for it. <sighs> don't, don't help me. Don't help me find the pieces of my mind. We're all, we're all shattered, aren't we? And talk about that. Don't talk about that today. Oh, happy listening here on Knackers, Knackers, Knackers and the Vag, Vag, Vag. I will help you reclaim the fractured parts of your mind. And if you've got a spare dollar a month, patreon.com forward slash Helen Razor, Razor with an E. Yes, Patreon is a glorified financial transfer service with a very bad content management system, but what the fuck else am I going to do? Give me some money or turn right off and miss the greatest moment of your life here on Knackers, Knackers, Knackers and the Vag, Vag, Vag. He's been working on a comic approach to explaining the history of everything. He has not yet quite succeeded. I'm confident that he won't. (laughs) (laughs) Amir Rahman, whose name I've doubtless mispronounced because my soft palate is as racist as my insides (laughs) here on this racist land called Australia. Hey, how are you? Good. Now, let's go into our charming story. When did you first realise that you had to pursue me, not only as a comrade, but as a very close friend? After I worked with Phoebe? You, you, you didn't at all. You know, we're, are we mates? Are we mates? Are we close yeah. to being mates? Yeah. All right. Okay. I'll show you pictures of my kid. Uh, oh, my gosh. Uh, Amir's kid is ridiculous like i really think he should have an instagram account like you know you know that they're coming for you you radical comedian you should exploit the child it's crossed my mind many times yeah i'm sure it has he's a father he's a husband he's one of the nice ones no no he's dreadful i'm horrible you you have a predisposition as i do to being a bit of an asshole but the times have made you an asshole as well, haven't they? I, I would say so. Uh, any events strike you in recent memory <laughs> where, where the asshole was, let's call it, I think they call it epigenetics, right? You might have a predisposition to a particular, uh, you know, so say um, uh, diabetes or Parkinson's disease. Amir and I are mates, apparently. You heard it first here. Because, in part, we both have very bad tempers. Mm. But sometimes those... It's necessary. Sometimes you gorgeous furnace, you leader among comics, this thing happens and you get a bit, bit more cranky than per usual. What, what was it that inflamed your interest more than anything in recent weeks? I'd have to say a big mass shooting in New Zealand. 
So I'm quite white, as you'll want to put to my attention in everyday uh, conversation, as you I, should. I am not the brown man who threw a muesli bar at your face. No, that was uh, Nazim Hussain, your former comic partner and still your comrade and friend from Fear of a Brown Planet. No, I mean, like, you're not white, I'm led to believe. The Thank goodness. <laughs> what, is, what was your reaction? I'm judging mine against yours. Uh, How did you hear the news? I, I think it came up on my phone in some way. Um, you know, the usual shock. Shock but not shock. I think that is most people that I know. That's how most people reacted. Shock, not shock. Something that some part of you was prepared for, but still wasn't prepared for when it happened. Yeah. I don't want to be all, where were you on the day of this event? But where were you on the day of this event? Uh, in Istanbul. No, but what was the more intimate um, environment? Uh, I, I just woke up to it. I woke up to it. Your beloved with you? Yes, family, the whole family in bed. The little one too. The little one too. And I, yeah, I just said to my wife, this, you know, there's been a shooting in New Zealand. And then, you know, the rest of the day was... Consumed. Consumed, yeah. And did you hear it from a friend or did you hear it from the news? From the internets. Yeah, yeah not, but not like a person no, that you know from no, the internet. No. And how would you describe, I mean, it is impossible to describe a physical reaction uh, or anything approaching the, the reaction, but was it fear? Was it resentment? Was it anger? Was it a need to be in Australia? What? Yeah, I definitely felt that, which was bizarre because I've never felt a need to be in Australia. But that was actually the first time I felt like that. And in terms of any actual feeling, I think it took a while because it was just a lot of shock and very surreal and still trying to find out what happened and how it happened and who it was. And But I remember I read the, the manifesto I read like within minutes of finding out. I read the whole thing. Mm. Did you find any key? Was there anything surprising or was it just more? No, I was like, I was like, oh, cool. Like this is like 73 pages of cut and paste YouTube comments. Yeah. Like that's all it is. Hmm. Yeah. So the way. Which is, which for me was like, like anyone can do this. Mm. Yeah. 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 Anyone Uh, could do anything given the right circumstances. And these ideas are that freely available and that banal and ordinary now. Okay. So. One of the things that we are reasonably at one about is that we see the physical world, the physical experience, the circumstances of one's survival. When one's survival is in any way imperiled, whether that is a present physical threat or one is having whatever goes on in the mind to feel fragile, uh, there is a reaction. So there is the, the physical world and the human body and then there's hate speech or civilised speech or robust debate or free speech or respectful debate or whatever. But it's not the manifesto alone that did it, right? Right. I mean, it's, it's – you mean that made it happen? Yeah. No. I mean, this is just – the final product, like the conveyor belt's been churning for a very, very long time. 
Yeah. I would like to remind you that Amir Rahman is, in fact, a comedian, but <laughs> this is... Unlikely to say anything funny over the course of the next 35 or whatever minutes. How has it affected your uh, approach to comedies, your work, um, comedies, the thing that you're best at? Have you found yourself unfunny? I mean, I found myself unfunny for a long time, but I haven't done comedy for a long time. Yeah, but you've got a comic approach to life. Has that gone or... Has it kicked into high gear? Uh, it's kicked into high gear now. Yeah. Yeah. So you had a surge of energy. Yeah. I don't know how good it is. I don't, I don't know if it's actually any good, but there has definitely been a surge of energy. Mm. I, uh, because this is all about me, of course, you know, I need to colonize your thought and contextualize it within mine. And I've volunteered for that. Yeah, you totally have. Um, <laughs> my reaction is so... It sounds ridiculous, but uh, Bestie's a brown Muslim lady and this is not – she's very unpleasant too. This is not a boast is what I'm saying. Mm. I'm not saying some of my best friends are Muslims. Um, Bad-tempered Muslims at that. Yeah, really. Just happened. It was just an accident. Um, and uh, the first thing that she said to me – I was at home and hadn't heard the news uh, because I was trying to, you know, write the great work, you know, as one always is, right? What else? And I received a long story short, this is a condensed version for the purposes of narrative, the message from my best lady friend, uh, they're not going to stop until all of us are dead. And I couldn't talk to her for days and she was, I think, reluctant to talk to any white people for days. But mm. I mean, we are close enough to have that understanding mm. and express it to each other. Like I wouldn't expect you to say to me, even though we know each other reasonably well, I can't talk to you because you're white. Mm. And there are times where, you know, I mean, there's times where, you know, the um, uh, people that you know and are friends with from the Aboriginal community may just not be able to cop for a couple of days, however much you are intimately bonded, something's happened mm. and no one cares and it's construed in public in a terrible way. You just can't talk to white people. Mm. Like, I, I get it. But I, I just I, – I, I couldn't talk to her either, mm. more to the point because I didn't know what to say and to burden somebody with that and to say, I don't know what to say, you know, so sort of like in a white guilt slash shame spiral. I wonder, and I wondered about you, of course, did you have, because whether or not you like it, you have a component of you that is Australian and so do I and I don't fucking like it either, mm. but you felt an attachment to this, this place. Mm. Did you also feel a sense of shame? No. Okay. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> not shame. Just, just, just missing people who were here dealing with it, mm. um, and a sense of yeah. Of course, he was Australian. Like we've all lived with a version of that hate, mm. maybe turned down a little bit, but still broadcast consistently. The point here is on the happy laugh a minute show. <laughs> Knackers in the vag. Patreon.com forward slash Helen Razor. I think that something's shifted. I think oh, sh shit has definitely shifted. You know, you said that your friend who I know who it is. Is there a reason we don't name her? Do we not name her? No, it, 
just, I just, I just don't yeah, want to no, flash cool. her around yeah, yeah, like yeah, yeah, cool. a ball ball. I'm sure. trying to be a. I'm, um, I'm exploring my revolutionary shame. You know, when she when she said they won't stop until we're all dead, someone sent me a Ghassan Hajj lecture from 2006 or 2007. Yeah. Do you know the one I'm talking about? Ghassan Hajj, absolutely. No, no, the lecture that I'm talking about. I may have seen it. Uh, like in the first few minutes, his thesis is that Muslims are being prepared for extermination. And then I stopped listening. I was like, I need to bookmark this. <laughs> but, I mean, that's where we are. That's where we are. Yeah. But uh, something has shifted. So you may remember the uh, thing when we are commemorating the Holocaust and promising that it will never happen again. And, of course, history never repeats, nor does it rhyme. That's a bullshit thing to say. But there are the conditions around at the moment for, you know I'm going to mispronounce it, and oh me, right? It's like a time where the identity formulation that you never have to think about if you're a certain kind of white person suddenly seems to shatter and things are broken. There is a certain material fragility in many lives, little money. Uh, you might be having a bit of a nervy. God knows I've been having one for the last 5,000 years. Or you may be you know, genuinely worried about your survival in some way. And what people who have always encountered uh, some form of privilege, some form of nice life might do in such a time is try to rebuild their identity. And this is, I think, what you might mean. Um, I mean, we, we, you know, I mean, I can't remember what words you, you use for what I might say is white fragility or um, like a just an, a huge white nervous breakdown. Mm. And so we talk about, say, you know, the Holocaust, in an effort for it to never happen again. And that particular event will not happen in that way. The yeah, exactly. So we, we look out for exactly that thing. We don't look out for the thing that mirrors it or the thing that looks a bit like it or the thing that is a mutation of it. Yeah. And, and so even when so, a lot of bad shit happens, we don't recognize it. Even so, some of the parallels are... So clear. So glaring, yeah. And these are still being ignored. The use of propaganda, the shitpost, Hitler was a living shitpost. He was the, the original edgelord. Yeah. So I, I didn't really know. You're, you're young and fashionable. So a shitpost is like the real life uh, equivalent would be, say somebody does like a, a dump at Sunday lunch, right? Mm. And it kills all conversation. I'm assuming that's why it's shit post. So it's sort of like the experience you might have on Facebook where somebody says something reasonable, somebody says something unreasonable, somebody says something hugely unreasonable, and then that hugely unreasonable thing just kills all conversation. Mm. And we can't understate the importance of, of, of Goebbels. Mm. I mean, hi history too, but the propagandist for the Nazis. And I see shitposting. This is just the way I'm thinking about it today. It's like um, it's not just from the fascists, but people come up with easy solutions and come up with one idea to spread their message. And currently the idea is let's control speech or let's make speech be free mm. or let's have civilised debate or whatever. And this is the message that you stick with 
51 souls are dead. An Australian killed them. It just, and then everyone gets upset about the response more mm. than anything. Mm. Which, which response? Oh, you weren't here. Thank goodness for that, for your own mental health. Yeah. You know. So the response was one that in some quarters matched that of the emotional display that you might see for Notre Dame Cathedral, right? It's like, oh, this, uh, you know, this can't happen. I'm talking about white people here. Yeah, right? yeah. Nice liberals. Yeah. This can't happen. This is not my Australia. No, it very much is your yeah. Australia. And I found that people were angrier with, say, what f- the uh, senator, Fraser Annie, mm. with what his response were, was than, than the dead. And there was this huge petition in Australia that about mm-hmm. two million people signed. And it was a very respectful letter uh, uh, written by a woman who I'm sure meant very well on, on change.org, yeah, ask, which simultaneously hosts Nazi petitions and right-wing petitions and anyway. <laughs> yeah, asking the Australian, well, free speech is so important, right, because we all have it. It's all just a conversation. People's fucking data is important apparently and profitable. Well, yeah. So the thing that nice, well-meaning Australian people seem to be more shocked by and the thing that moved them into action were the unsurprisingly insensitive words of a man whose insensitivity is his career, a change.org petition requesting the removal of one senator. Now, as you say, change.org also hosts Nazi petitions. You can ask for whatever you want on change.org. You can can fundraise, not just sign. You can collect money. You can be ambitious and as utopian or as insane as you wish. The petition that drew the most attention was one asking one senator to be removed from Australian Parliament. Now, the Senate itself is curious. Like, Parliament represents Australians anyway, doesn't. But it, that is a stark thing. There were so many things you could go with is what I'm saying. It's like, well, fucking how does someone get to the Senate on ni- 19 votes? Mm. What is within our nation state that produces such people? What is it with the moment? No, it's just like remove one senator and, that, and that'll be the end of it. And I guess that was a way of people emotionally coping. But you could say burn down parliament, you know, you could say revolution. You could say curfew for all white people. You could say cut off his hands. You could say anything that you want. And this is what was said and this is what caught the white liberal attention. And it seemed to me that to consider those lost in circumstances that I can't even begin to understand, those Bodies, those corpses are the last consideration because people can't bear to think of them. No, because for white people, the timeline always starts in the wrong place, right? So the timeline always starts on 9-11, not the things that preceded. The timeline starts with Fraser Anning, not people's complacency and complicitness with 
everything that the coalition said and done up to and including lining up to fucking hug and shake his hand. There's, uh, there's not even a memory of 9-11 now. It yeah. is, I mean, there's a memory of 9-11, but it's a curated memory. Mm. But, you know, the pretext for, in part, for the Iraq war. Now, no one seems to remember or evoke weapons of mass destruction. It is just accepted, even under Trump, that the view of international relations as is expressed by the dominant press, as is expressed by the US, is the right one. Mm. And, and I see people all around me, rule of law, rule of law, broke the law, they should be in prison. Mm. Like, when did that ever work out? I mean, there's people clinging to institutions and ideas that clearly don't work and they're so certain. Well, I've got no that, idea. That have worked for them, right? But so, sometimes it doesn't even. Yeah, or I mean... People just have to hang on to the imagination of it. Yeah. Otherwise, <laughs> you have to admit that you live in a dream. Did the comparison between the slaughter in Christchurch and the reaction and the fire at Notre Dame Cathedral and that reaction, did that has that struck you in recent days? Was it compared? No, I'm asking oh. what's going on in your head. Oh, I just... Whatever, like in like it's a fucking building. Like I don't, <laughs> I just don't have. Uh, like it's just not registering for me. I I understand, yeah. but have you seen the outpouring? Oh yeah, growth? yeah, 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 yeah. And I've just held myself back from unleashing on, on, the outpouring of that sympathy. But in many ways, the outpouring of sympathy for Christchurch was also kind of a conspicuous display of false compassion. Yeah, yeah, and and uh, almost as if those people had died by accident, right? Like yeah. like it like there was some kind of electrical fire or an earthquake or, you know, this was a freak incident. Mm. Fifty people were hit by lightning mm. because yes. to actually interrogate why they died means everyone thinking about how they allowed culture to reach a stage where some guy can. A live stream mass murder like a fucking video game. Yeah. And the first assumption in the early accounts, for various reasons, of a fire in a cathedral in a city full of beautiful buildings was that it was a terrorist act. Those yeah. Muslims are right. at it again. Yeah. Did you Because who else would disrupt, you know, everything that's beautiful and European? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just I mean, I understand the beauty of the gargoyles and I have an appreciation for divinity and I have very Catholic people in my own family and I feel for them. Like my aunt took Holy Communion there once and I do respect the idea of divinity and I will have, I, will, I have taken the host. I've eaten Jesus. Wow, in, in the form of a biscuit? Yeah, they're not very tasty, but like I will do it out of respect not only for my family but to accept the idea that there are sacred things to accept the idea that you can imagine something else, to accept the idea of the unknowable and to understand what culture might mean because as a white worker, I don't have a lot of it. I've forgotten what culture is. Like I don't see that there is much of a culture in Australia. It's just all fragmented, right? Mm. It's leftovers. 
so I understand it, but it's not a it's not a religious. I mean, it is religious zealotry if you want, but it's not a faith based reaction. And for so YouTube put nine eleven by accident comments up on its widely watched live stream. Did you read about that? No. So the Encyclopedia Britannica apparently and YouTube have some kind of deal. YouTube of its own volition publishes or live streams the burning building and they have a fact-checking tool which extracts information related to the event that is being live streamed. As what, like captions under the footage? Yeah, okay. to give people some historical like context. like a ticker. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's like um, little Scrolling bits. Scrolling text. Or, yeah, yeah, little bits of information to put it in context. But it's automated. It is automated. It is artificial intelligence. And artificial intelligence decided to apply the entry f- about 9-11, about September 11, to the footage of the burning church. On accident, boo-boo. But for me, I saw, uh, you know, that very punchable asset of YouTube, Richard. Spencer. B stands for Balderdash, uh, Spencer, you know, he says, and I hope that the white man will rise. Oh, yeah, we'll be awakened. And, and if, if this wakes the white man up, then one day we'll, be, we'll applaud this fire. Yeah, or we'll, and this we'll is a glorious or... catastrophe. But this is, in essence, kind of like the message by accident of YouTube, which is fire 9-11, fire church, church on fire, church on fire, Muslims, Muslims, terrorists. Mm. And I went a bit crazy and then it was like, you know, there is not much difference between an Andrew Bolt column and the lavish purple teenage prose in The Guardian about the, the Guardian editorial was something like, the heart of Europe is torn out and the soul of France and we all mourn for this tragedy. Now, take out a few racialized code words. You know, Andrew Bolt is has passages like this that are all florid, and, mm. you know, as, as well. I mean, but he's saying, and the West really is under threat and uh, why shouldn't we feel grief? Mm. And good on Bill Shorten for offering this beautiful structure money. No need, Bill. By the way, the billionaire class yes. have stepped in. Fire was still going and they'd already reached Committed, however, million. yeah. And so, you know, okay, I'm not saying put the money elsewhere. I don't expect the billionaire class to put it anywhere else. But, you know, what we've suddenly fucking decided is a Western symbol. And, like, I didn't know people felt that way. I didn't know people were in love with the cathedral like that. You know, and this cathedral that has already burnt down twice and is in a, is, it's a historical project. It means different yeah, state things. of Constant restoration and kind of rebuilding, yeah. And it's it's going to be fine. There's not that much of the original building that survives anyway. It's going to be fine. So it's not like just put your money elsewhere. I fucking billionaire class going to put their money in whatever suits them, which is usually the worst thing for everyone else. Hmm. But it was it's been fucking crazy, right? Yeah. Do you see any similarity between that kind of radical populism? And fascism itself? You mean over uh, the cathedral? Well, in anything, like, for me, the best thing to do emotionally, right, is have a little bit of a cry in private Mm. if something upsets me and talk about it to my shrink. Do we have to mourn every burning building? Apparently, yes. 
Yeah, it's like some weird collective. Uh, it's like some. It's a weird collective performance. I think. Uh, do you think it's a performance? Do you think it's really actually uh, why anxiety? Yeah, no, I don't think it's a conscious performance. But it is like, mm, what's the word? It's like it's kind of like speaking in tongues, where everyone kind of knows it's fake, but everyone's just got to go through the ritual anyway because yes. Yeah. If we don't all do it, then we know everyone's making it up. But I imagine that when one is speaking... Mass mast delusion. Is it mass delusion? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Same thing, yeah, kind yeah. of? Yeah. Uh, but I imagine when, when you begin to speak in tongues, at some point, you... You really believe it. You begin to speak in tongues. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, for uh, the, like the thing about Christchurch, again, it's, it's, it's this timeline, right? Because for white liberals, it's like, oh, this is terrible. We can't take any... We, we won't stand for this... We won't allow anything like this, but it's like, guys, this is, they don't understand. This is not the end of something. It's the beginning of something. Yeah. it's uh, right, Because the, the fact that that happened guarantees that more of it's going to happen. Yeah. And, and we've absolutely missed the boat in terms of preventing it. You know, it's one thing to prevent it before it happens. Mm. When it starts, it means you've reached a point where many more of those things need to happen before there's some kind of real collective reckoning. Mm. Of what the fuck are we? I don't want to be all like, oh, you have to read history or anything like that. But it just this shit is not that hard to work out. No, Everyone- no, and like, and you know, this is the this is everyone's sort of collective feeling about it. It's just like, well, like I said, shock, not shock. Mm. The only, the the biggest surprise just being the location, because I really would have put money on it happening in the U.S. first. It's impossible to separate one's view of history, one's personal experience, lived experience, I believe they call it, from, you know, the sensations around you. But just getting back to that idea, you know, the poem from about the Holocaust, first they came for the communists, then mm. they came for the Jews. It strikes me as peculiar that at least those two lines are in the memory of many, many people in the West, yet not understood like but also that <laughs> that poem is about coming for people and muslims are not people like the biggest thing that i got from a lot of people was my white friends like my good white friends have been completely silent right not even like a i don't know what to say to you like a nice no 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 i'm as in like the nice white liberals that they would have expected to reach out oh right you know what i mean indeed in that kind of courteous white liberal way. Yeah. And I said, just just think about the two decades of Islamophobic shit we've been swimming in, like that we've been totally immersed in. Right? And that's discounting like decades of Oriental Orientalism yeah. preceding 9-11. But just, just think of all the post-9-11 fucking sewage that we've all been immersed in. Like you have to come to terms with the fact that white liberals believe all of that same shit deep down. Yeah, They I are know. just too polite to say it, right? Like if you injected a white liberal with truth serum, do you really think they wouldn't say that Muslim women are oppressed or that Muslims are backwards or that Islam is foreign? I'm or that, seeing it. I'm seeing know? it, Amir. I'm seeing people that were once warm acquaintances or even friends changing their view, going back to 2001 and calling the product the weapon that was created by the United States, the Taliban, an example of, you know, just the crudest simplicity of the brown people, mm. right? Like, for fuck's sake, you know, 
We're worried about the women. Worried about the women. We'll permit ourselves to worry about the women. I'm seeing this now. Like it is becoming a more acceptable thing to say that you really think that, you know, female genital mutilation is the worst thing that ever happened in history. You don't bother to research it. Um, you don't bother to think, oh, well, perhaps a medical ap- application. You don't bother to even know if it occurs. Mm. And it's just this thing that Muslim women are oppressed. It's just they're all oppressed and that's the only thing. And, and I'm seeing white, liberal, even left-wing feminists adopt this. And it's only because, uh, you know, the the question for us was always like, at what point is anyone going to decide that, this trajectory is really bad. Because sure, like, I think white liberals on the surface acknowledge that, oh, Muslims have it tough and it's not nice and yeah. we shouldn't talk about refugees like that and, you know, women in headscarves shouldn't get abused, even though deep down, you know, I think this is backwards and stupid what they're doing anyway. So the question was always like, at what point in this timeline do we decide that Muslims are some kind of victims? Mm. And I guess it's when 50 people get murdered in cold blood. I guess that's the price. Like now we know what the cost is. Yeah. And also, who knows how long that window is going to last. It's not going to last forever. Yeah. You know, all this fucking goodwill and flowers and fundraising, all this. Like it's just wait, you know, like it's not going to undo everything. Just because it's my sort of thing. I still make about $10 a week from making media. Things that I may not have previously been so... Cognizant of are now becoming more apparent, you know, what do they call it, patternicity, Uh, the uh, uh, schema or whatever. It's like you start seeing a pattern and you start seeing a pattern. Somebody mentioned something, you see it. But the amount of racialized code words that I see appearing, I don't even know if the people are conscious Mm. always that they're using them, but that have reemerged. And then, of course, you have organisations like the IPA, but particularly I've noticed at the moment the Centre for Independent Studies, uh, led by shitposter himself, Tom Switzer, who frames every debate as though it's a debate and never is. And I saw a member of the IPA, I won't go into details because a fucker will probably sue me, on a certain state broadcaster that may or may not belong to Australia using extraordinarily racist code words that you don't have to know that much to recognise them. And so this message is everywhere now. It's I haven't given you the bear. Yeah. Uh, the bear is what you should have thrown at me many, many times because I go on and on and on. Now, how do we get the liberals, how do we get the people who – love the West and West is best and love the transformative power of the human heart and believe that if they're good enough that their goodness will creep out everywhere and like infect everybody with joy and universalism and human understanding. Oh, how do we infected, can, that's for sure. How do we make them see? Um, by heading towards total economic collapse, well, at which point check. the project is proven to be a farce possibly with a side serving of genocide or mass racial violence, I think might be what brings people to their senses. There's some crazy shit around. So, <laughs> like, seriously. No, I, I, what were we talking about before so, when you said, you know, you said you see people going back to 2001. Like, we have been 
trading in the language of genocide for so long. I feel like the Muslim community has been a frog in a pot of water that's slowly, you know, the temperature's slowly been turned up. And post 9-11, we tried to fight it a little bit and we got upset with the media and we did the interfaith stuff and we said we're not terrorists and we just got exhausted. Well, I can imagine that it would have been quite surprising. You know, it's like, oh, this is just unreasonable. We'll just explain that this is unreasonable. Yeah, this is a misunderstanding. We'll just clear up this misunderstanding. Uh, So, you know, there's kind of a sense of numbness to, you know, this kind of escalation in language and discourse or whatever. But there was a point, there was one point where I suddenly did feel extreme panic. When? When Sonia Kruger said that shit on morning television. Uh, Sonia Kruger does some sort of... Dancing with the Stars. Uh, yes, she does some dreadful breakfast program. Uh, yeah, she's a fucking moron. Oh, a she fucking is a f- talentless... And she said But she calmly, she calmly quoted Andrew Bolt and said, yeah, I would feel safer if we banned Muslims because when there's more Muslims in a country, the chance of terrorism goes up. And as a mother, I would feel safer. And it's not that Muslim ban hadn't been discussed before. Trump had said it. She was quoting Andrew Bolt. Uh, Obama gave it a little bit of a go. But when, yeah, but uh, there was just something about someone as ordinary as her, just so unconsciously regurgitating the idea of cancelling a class of people that I just, I was terrified. Yeah, yeah. So that was... And and, you know, again, like you said, like, when we talk about genocide, we're on the lookout for stormtroopers rounding people up in the streets. But it's, uh, the, it's the language that sets the ground. Yeah. I mean, I'm assuming that you're a person who has, because you're quite tall and you are also brown and you are also reasonably well known. And I know that you would be a target for violence and what have you. You would have felt unsafe, I imagine, quite often before. (sighs) Or are you sort of like me and a bit deluded that you're um, impenetrable? I'm a man. Yeah. Men get hit more in the street. Yeah, reasonably tall, but I also like don't hang out in places where people are likely to hit me. Yeah, well, we don't don't know what those places are. Yeah, but where the probability is lower. Okay, but there's different Australian cities where you'll feel less safe. Yeah, and I've avoided those my entire career. Like, like I do shows in Melbourne and Sydney. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, but I, I'm sure, look, we can't compare. I don't know what sense of vulnerability you have. You can't possibly explain it all, you know, to me, and I can't explain it to you. There's no way we can assess our fear. Quantify, yeah. But uh, this whole thing of, oh, shit, something's changed in a very personal way happened to me. Honestly, and this sounds like it's a convenient lie, but it's not for the purposes of narrative. It is something that actually happened. I went to went to speak at a WikiLeaks demonstration the day after Julian Assange was incarcerated in what is informally known as Britain's Gitmo. Wasn't very many people there. Surprise, surprise. Uh, quite a few Muslim comrades uh, who will never forget the collateral murder video, you know, it was like, okay, Mm. okay, so his vision of what we knew was happening, you know, Mm. you know, that's important. So I went and my partner said, "Um, oh, I'll go with you. 
as likely to go to a demo because demos are difficult. You know, I don't like going to them either. Mm. Uh, and I said, well, why are you coming? I said, I'll, you know, throw my body in front of a gun in case there's an active shooter. I thought it was a gag. Mm. A couple of days later, I heard an account from a friend, uh, person of colour. They said that they had had such and such an experience, knew them well enough to go on with, you know, my account and ask partner, I, uh, was that a joke? I said, you know, no, not really. And this is a very sober sort of thinking person mm. who doesn't like drama and mm. there is a very real sense now of physical danger. Mm. It's not like the past that I remember. The good old days, you know, they were never good, but there is a sense of a hard limit approaching for everyone and it's time to stand together. I don't want to go to rallies, you know, but it's time to stand together shoulder to shoulder mm. and say, fuck you. Yeah, but there's also a sense that you can do all that and you can contain them on the streets and you can push them back, but they don't need to be big and public for shit like this to happen anymore. Yeah, yeah, of course. Because the signal's gone out to the craziest of the crazies. Yeah, yeah. But look, I can do it. You can do it too. It's it's changed. I've never not felt safe in my own country, but I fucking do now. Like I'm not saying I'll be a martyr or anything. No one will give a shit. They'll say she was a mad old bitch and fuck you, don't come to my fucking memorial. You never liked me and I never liked you and we both said it. Only come if you're a Patreon donor. Uh, yeah. They've yeah. earned at least that much. Yeah, the... <laughs> Yeah, you will uh, as part of- um, You'll be on the guest list. You can come to uh, my martyrdom, uh, 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 um, patreon.com forward slash Helen Razor. But so how did you get funny out of all of this? Like you you are writing works. What's funny? I mean, no, there's nothing. It's, a, it's my own fucking manifesto. <laughs> there's no jokes yet. Yeah. I'm, hope, I'm assuming they'll come. Otherwise, I will do a one-man show that is some like long, drawn-out, speech about stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, you've given me a lot of time and I don't feel like we've got to, I don't, it, it, oh, I don't feel, I don't sense intellectually and with my gut like you've said one-tenth of what ought to be understood very broadly. But you need to go now, don't you? Say you were a man with influence and you could change by magic or charisma or some other means, the minds of people who identify as progressive, those people who will do all that they can to what I see as sending people likely to join a fascist movement into paroxysms of rage. All I have seen for weeks and weeks is, aren't the racists stupid? They can't spell. Didn't work with Donald Trump. In fact, it worked very well. I have it on a reasonable authority that the misspellings in Donald Trump's tweets are planned. Intentional? Goebbels had this idea he made a ridiculous ma uh, You know, I bet he designed Hitler's moustache, right? We've been saying for 26 years that Pauline Hansen is a sicko, right? She's still a political figure. She hasn't gone away. You keep saying it's not that you have to be nice 
to racists, right? You don't have to be nice to white racists. If you're on a picket line, you might have to stand with them, right, if they're in your union, but you don't have to be nice to them. It's not out of pity that I say there is a 47% illiteracy and innumeracy rate in this country. How do you think people who don't read good feel when you point out that somebody else can't read good? It is not entirely the fault of those fucking racist idiots, right? We can't just say that they have complete volition. And liberals keep doing this thing over and over again and it's driving me fucking mad. Like, please stand with us. That doesn't always mean putting your body on the line, but it means thinking about what you're putting out there, what you're saying to friends. You know, stop saying they're all stupid, they're bogans, they've got no IQ, they're not even as good as Nazis, which is stuff that respectable liberal progressives who claim to hate racism are saying. Stop doing it. You're just fucking giving them what they want. Fight the fascists. Don't fucking throw more garbage on the fucking garbage fire. You know, it's... it's it, it, or am I wrong? No, no, that's why I haven't said anything. I agree with you. How would you, please tell me how you would change their minds and how, so, you know, even our cultural events, they're all, you know, spaces where, you know, they're very diverse, they're very inclusive, but no one wants to talk about history, money, survival, politics, all of the things that can predispose people to be turned into fucking soldiers. Yeah, because the whole exercise is about saying, I'm not like them. Yes. That's more important. Please don't think that I'm one of those fucking idiot racists. I'm a good person. I, That's what the exercise is. That's what, like, you know, I've, I've seen these fundraisers and they're great and people turn up and there's lots of money, but no one talks about racism. No one talks about why they died or how to stop it happening again. It's just, aren't we the good ones? Mm. But no, I find no one really talks about sexism or homophobia in that way either. It's just be a better person, print the brochure, loving kindness, universalism. We are all the same. We all have equal rights. No, we fucking don't. What about the conditions of people's lives? Racism is not just in you. You know, I mean, it's in me. Of course it is. How could I avoid it? But you can afford to feel for not even a struggle but particular events. And I really, you know, respect and admire and applaud all of those of whatever proclivity who have tried to do fucking something about offshore detention. But while offshore detention is one struggle, the intervention is occurring, mm. but we can't bear to look at what is happening in the interior of Australia. We can find our sympathy to a small group of people, if you do mourn the 51 dead, that's fantastic. But that's not the only problem. Things don't just happen in isolation. It's like a case of like uh, going to a kind of like an ideological day spa in some kind of like Scientology hell. Like if I'm okay and if I treat people well, then that will have a magical effect. That's it. That's how people have been raised. That's how they're programmed. We'll stop it. Um, You've got to go. And um, thank you so much. For thank the, you for having me. I don't know if that was right. any good. Was that any good? It was good. I mean, it's, it's you know, 
you're sober and resigned and I'm pretty resigned. Numb and I know you and that's weird and others know your work and it will be r- weird to them but what tell people what to fucking do mate tell them what do we do I don't know I don't know Oh Jesus Oh my god You've been listening to Knackers and the Vatch. <laughs>